staying sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. This should never happen to another president. What happened to me, they came up with an excuse for losing an election. This should never happen to another president because most presidents wouldn't be able to take it. I know the politicians, I know the president, I know, I know what we're dealing with. We will redouble our efforts to make sure that we protect all that is important, all that is important to Israel, all that is important to America, and indeed all that is important to the world. Golan Heights is the same thing. For years, other presidents have campaigned. They said they'd do it. This is sovereignty. This is security. This is about regional security. President Trump has just made history. I called him. I thanked him on behalf of the people of Israel. The Trump administration, too, is dedicated to monitoring, combating anti-Semitism. Sadly, we in the United States have seen anti-Semitic language uttered even in the great halls of our own capital. This should not be. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here. I want to say thanks to all the people who are in the comments, commenting on what we've been discussing here. Um, You know, it's of no benefit to me to have people think that I can't stand to hear anybody who opposes me on the show. But we know that's not true. We've had Rachel Dolezal, a racially confused white lady on the show. We've had all kinds of liberals and moderates, and I've even agreed with them on some of the things that they discuss on the show. We've had Tezan Figaro, who is an expert, and she's hotly booked, like she's booked all over Fox and CNN, MSNBC, international shows. She is a moderate, uh, definitely a Democrat. And I call her friend, like I'm still waiting on our opportunity to sit down and have a meal. So this is not about not being able to tolerate the opposing view. And, and you know, I was I was giggle a little bit when people say I'm thin skinned, because if you read my email box, it would sear the corneas off of your eyeballs, the stuff that people email to me, the comments about everything and the vulgarity and the hatred. It would sear your eyeballs off. <laughs> so I can't be that thin skinned. But I do have a tendency because I'm a mom to cut stuff off because you can't allow it to get, you can't allow it to go out there. If you know it's not the truth and you try to come on here and say it, I'm going to cut you off. That's all there is to it. And um, so there you go. Now, this hour on the program, we are going to be speaking with Justin Danhoff of the Free Enterprise Institute. Turns out Starbucks's board of directors opposes viewpoint diversity. Now, this is important because I know a lot of people still shop there, even though they have the crazy gun stuff. And I've told you guys a story about me and our kids. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But right now we have callers. So I'm going to go to William in Oklahoma. Hey, William, thanks for joining the show today. Happy Friday. Well, thank you. Um, I just have an opinion about where you're saying what's going on in the schools. And um, to me, it seems like we battle not flesh and blood, but principalities. Uh, now, uh, I think, to me, it, in my opinion, it appears that the Planned Parenthood, the LGB, um, uh, and the uh, uh, freedom uh, from religion are working in tandem. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as their masks are taken off and, and, and they came in like the satanic temple expressing these deviant views and it seems like it's a bad word to use the word morality anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, and uh, the people are uh, talking about the offended at the Ten Commandments. I grew up with the Ten Commandments at my high school on one wall, and the other verse do unto others 
as you had them do unto you in on the other wall. And they, and how can the tenth commandments? Oh, honor thy father and mother. Oh, that's bad. I don't know what my children growing up reading that. Oh, thou shalt not steal. Oh, that offends me. I don't know what my children growing up reading that. Yet someone would see the cross and immediately take action down. It's almost like Dracula. You know, oh, I see the cross, so close your eyes, you know, I'm, and don't, you know, give a They're melting. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's what, you know, my opinion is. It seems like we recognize they're all working together, you know, uh, to do that. And that's, um, you know, and that seems like that's what we should be looking at. Thank yeah, you. well, it's true. It's true. William, thank you for that. Uh, I, William is calling us to look at this to, in, in, in the totality, the whole of it all, which says... Of course, they're working together because their aim is to corrupt children. Now, remember what the Bible says. If you if you so much as switch one word out of the Bible or work to corrupt a child, the little ones, that it would be better for a millstone to be tied about your neck and you thrown into the sea than to deal with your maker after doing that. So these people are on a mission. They know where they're going and they know who they serve. The question is, do we? Do we, have we read the end of the book? Do we know the end, the end of the story? Do we understand that we are supposed to be more than conquerors, walking in victory, courageous, outspoken, salt and light, telling the truth everywhere that we go and living for Jesus Christ so that other people would see it and say, I want some of that. What's that victory you're walking in? What's that? What, why are you not shaken by everything that's going on? Why are your kids so obedient? What are you doing with those kids that, I, the joke that I used to tell people is the truth, but I would say it in a joking way. I'd say, well, we, we spank them and we, and we read the word of God. And we, people would kind of raise their eyebrows like, really? You, you spank? I'm like, you know, the spanking is rare because the more words you pour in, the less you have to spank. I've told people that before. And they would, they kind of look a little confused. I'm like, we're Christians. It doesn't mean that every Christian has, you know, well-behaved kids, but they do tend to have better behaved kids. It's not a coincidence. You pour the word into a child and don't be surprised at what comes back out. That, that word is going to bear fruit. That child is going to be what, what, what you're pouring in is what you're going to get back out. No, no, there's, there's no uh, if, ands, or buts to that. There isn't. Um, and, and I know it's anecdotal, but I don't know any Christian families that have those kids where you're kind of like, oh my goodness, you know, not when they're doing what God has mandated for us to do as parents, the morning, the noon, the night, the scripture, all day, all night, starting when they're babies, starting when they're in the womb, when, when you read God's word to them and it just, the children respond, it's like it helps them grow. And it does. I mean, all right, let's go to Bonnie in Louisiana. Hey, Bonnie, thanks for calling the show. Yes, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Happy Friday. Can you hear me? Happy Friday. I'm on a cell phone, so can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Well, I, I, and normally at my desk at this time of day, and I don't get a chance to call in, I'm, oh. and I've actually never heard your, your show, so I'd love before you go off the air, repeat, you know, what what your hours are for your show and, you know, if there's a podcast and that sort of thing, so I can kind of get plugged in because I was listening to it while I was driving, and that's why I'm on my cell but okay. essentially, I um, appreciate um, the fact that you, um, you know, today are talking about, you know, uh, the, the, the last holdout that those of us who are Christians and conservatives, um, you know, as far as getting news that was 
somewhat balanced that has seemed to have swung completely to the left now with these recent moves with Fox. I've been following that very closely. Mm. Um, and I pretty much now getting my news from from uh, Twitter sources, but researching myself. I mean, I've, I've at this point in time have seen, you know, I, I remember Walter Cronkite and uh, when news was really news and it wasn't just a bunch of talking heads and analysts and opinion and entertainment like it is so much now. Mm. And with the Mockingbird mainstream media giving the entire same narrative from, you know, 24-7 news cycle, you literally can go from ABC to CBS to mm-hmm. NBC, and they're saying the same thing, like like they got their scripts that morning mm-hmm. at 4 a.m. Yeah, you know? they get it from the so, AP. They rip and read from the AP, word for word. Absolutely. So, so basically, you know, we're being fed what they want us to know. And so people need to wake up. They need to understand that we're being programmed to have a, a certain world view. And all of this identity politics and race baiting, this is by design. Mm-hmm. If, if they've got us going at each other, you know, whether it's Christian and Muslim or, or black or white or, mm-hmm. you know, Native American, whatever it is, whatever flavor of the day for, you know, this group that wants the one world order, you know, people need to see it for what it is. And they're, they're blinded right now. And back to what you were talking about earlier with getting in the word, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is, we're in a sad state of affairs. I mean, now even on Twitter, which, in uh, Instagram and Facebook, I mean, you don't see anywhere in mainstream media the fact that Facebook has sold us all out and has been spying on everybody and collecting everybody's data. It's happening, but you're, you're, it's not in the mainstream media narrative. So it people is. People need to be out there speaking, you know, very little. Like, they'll, they'll hit it and then it's gone. It's not like the 24-7 Trump, you know, Trump hater narrative that we get said. It's true. But, um, um, so I, I would now, I would just respond to what you're saying, Bonnie. And I, I first want to start off by saying thank you, first time listener and first time caller. And we are live every day from 2 to 4 p.m. Um, Central Time. And we're first hours on American Family Radio, both hours on Urban Family Talk. And um, you can find you can go to AFR.net and click on the station finder and find all the stations in the 36 states that we have available for you to listen to. Or you can also live stream us on Stacy on. Well, actually, not yet on Stacy on the right dot com, but that's coming. Uh, You can live stream us on Facebook, YouTube. I think Periscope, we're still doing that. And then, of course, you can listen on your phone or your laptop. Just go to AFR.net for the first hour or UrbanFamilyTalk.com for the second or for both hours. Um, and the podcasts are at both. You can listen without commercials at AFR.net. You can listen with commercials. And our commercials are all ministry-driven, so they're informative and they're great. And I like listening to them myself. I, and when I started out, I was kind of like, oh, some of those are good. Now I, I love them. Um, so you can hear everything, the whole hour and 58 minutes over at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Um, so thank you, Bonnie, for reminding us of that. I'm I'm kind of compiling myself. I'm looking at different sites that are up, like The Blaze combined with CRTV. And I've been thinking about, like, do I say 
go to the Blaze. You know, you guys know we have John Miller on the show a lot, and I have friends who work over there at the Blaze, and so I, I do like what they're doing. I have friends over at CRTV. Well, now they've merged, and they're one thing, but I don't want to just give a blanket, oh, you should just watch that. Um, you know, we have America's Voice TV that live streams our show, and there are some great content providers over there. <laughs> you got Wayne Dupree. You know, he's a good friend. He he really, he's a news guy, um, and his website is fantastic. But I I don't want to say just head over to OANN. I know a lot of people watch that, and they have, they're primarily driven by news. They have, I don't think they have any opinion over there, um, and it's fantastic. But I'm holding off on giving full-blown recommendations right now because I'm just trying to see what's going to happen over at Fox. And I'm not bound by any allegiance over there other than, you know, having some friends who work there at at Fox Business. Um, But I'm not bound by any allegiance because I'm not a contributor. They don't pay me. And they've always been kind and, you know, really nice to have me on. But I'm not bound not to criticize them. I think they're making a mistake with Judge Janine, and I hope she's going to be back on. Um, two weeks is far too heavy-handed for what she said. It was her opinion. She's every right to her opinion. People are going to get offended, so what? Um, and Tucker Carlson is still there, and I just, you know, so it, let's let's tamp the brakes and see what happens. Um, but it's, it's a career suicide for them if they decide to push the same tack that we've seen over at CBS. MSNBC, CNN, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's not a good look. So we'll see what happens. Um, we still have callers up. Oh, we have like a minute left. D in Mississippi. Thanks for calling the show. Yeah. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hello. Yeah. I just got, a, I got this one. I'm one of your first time callers. I just got this quick question for you. Do you think that you do fair and balanced journalism independent? Not tilted to either side, left, right. No, are you? I don't. Uh, are you tilted? It's the Stacy on the Right show, and I'm coming from a biblical worldview, actually. So no. And if you're wondering if I'm tilted right or left, let's not even go there. Let's get down to brass tacks. I'm tilted in the direction of the Bible. What does God's word say? Okay, that's where I'm tilted. That way, I don't have to be wiveling around and worried about what other people think. It's not fair and balanced, unless you think God is fair and balanced. I'm not him, but I'm speaking what I know from my biblical worldview. When we get back, we're going to have Justin Danhoff of the Free Enterprise Institute. Keep it here. It's amazing, but true. When it comes to one of America's biggest household expenditures, health care, A lot of people think they've got no choice. People are used to thinking we have to do it this way, but they don't. Yes, you have the freedom to choose an alternative with your healthcare. It's MediShare and it costs way less than the alternatives. The typical family saves $500 a month, not a year, a month. And if you're single, this can save you a lot too. And let's face it, a big reason MediShare is 400,000 people strong it just works. They've shared over $3 billion in medical bills, so they can help share your needs too. Joining MediShare for so many people is one of those things that makes you say, why didn't I do this before? So yes, the time has come for something better. Look into joining MediShare and see why so many people are opting out of the old way and into the new. Why not look into this? Just call 855-PSALM-23. That's 855-PSALM-23. 855-PSALM-23. 
This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, Americans don't know much about the Constitution, and it apparently is getting worse. Nine years ago, I wrote and recorded a commentary about constitutional literacy. Back then, I quoted John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute, who testified before a subcommittee of the Senate Judiciary Committee concerning the rule of law. He provided some alarming statistics based upon a survey done about 10 years ago. They found that only one in four Americans could name more than one of the freedoms guaranteed by the First Amendment. In one study, they found that only one person out of 1,000 people could name all five First Amendment freedoms. Those would be the freedom of religion, speech, press, and assembly, along with the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. I thought about those statistics when I read an editorial written by Cal Thomas. He quoted from a recent poll conducted by the University of Pennsylvania's Annenberg Public Policy Center. They found that 37% of those interviewed could not name any of the five rights protected in the First Amendment. You know, nearly a decade ago, we were lamenting how few could name more than one of the First Amendment freedoms. Today, more than a third cannot name any of the freedoms in the First Amendment. Americans are not only ignorant of the Constitution, many are ignorant of the structure of government. A third could not name one of the three branches of government, and about fourth could correctly name all three. Unfortunately, some of these Americans who are ignorant of the Constitution and of our government actually vote in elections. You can't protect the rights guaranteed in the Constitution if you don't know what they are. You can't protect our system of government if you don't know how it is structured. I hope you can see that we have lots of work to do to educate Americans about the Constitution. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info slash socialism. That's viewpoints.info slash socialism. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey there, welcome back to the program. It's my pleasure to welcome Justin Danhoff of the Free Enterprise Institute. Full disclosure, the Free Enterprise Institute is a part of nationalcenter.org and I am the co-chair of Project 21, which is a part of nationalcenter.org as well. So you can go to nationalcenter.org to find out more about all of us. And welcome to the show, Justin. Hey, Stacey. It's always nice to chat with you. You know what? I hear you've been mixing it up with uh, the heads of one of the coffee joints that I have to frequent because I have a 19-year-old daughter who is Starbucks heavy. I tend to like our local brewery here, which is uh, called Caldi's. It's owned by a conservative woman who decided to open a coffee shop because she didn't like Starbucks. <laughs> so she's gone all over the country now, and her, her, her business is actually growing. But my daughter loves Starbucks because it's super sweet. And so I end up going in there, the drive through anyway. And so I thought when I saw your email come through this morning about how you'd been there and talking to at the shareholders meeting to the CEO, I was really fascinated. What happened? Yeah, so this is part of our initiative to have boards of directors at corporations consider actual diversity when they're nominating new individuals for boards. So very many boards, including Starbucks, are very insular, and they're insular politically um, in that companies such as Starbucks, which leans dramatically to the left, um, it's no secret it leans to the left because the leadership of the organization is insularly left. And so instead of asking what liberal shareholder activists have been asking for for the last two or three years, and that is they have been mandating that corporations, whenever there's an open board seat, 
that they must interview a woman for that position and they must interview an underrepresented minority. Mm-hmm. And again, the stated goal of the less resolutions is a noble goal. The goal is for corporations to avoid groupthink. And we think that's actually terribly important in a corporate setting because if we're all marching in lockstep and nobody's asking critical questions, we're all going to fall off the same ledge on the same day, right? Mm-hmm. So avoiding groupthink is good. But if you're saying that the way to achieve that is that you must interview a woman for an open spot, aren't you then saying you believe all women think the same thing based on their gender? That's called sexism. Mm -hmm. And if you're asking to interview an underrepresented minority to fill that spot to avoid groupthink, once again, that's called racism. You're saying everyone thinks the same based on the way that they look, their skin color. Mm -hmm. That's not right. And so what we did is we filed what we're calling true diversity resolution. What we're saying is, why don't you get people to avoid groupthink that, gee, I don't know, think differently. And in this era of hyper-politicized corporations, where corporations are getting involved in every single political debate, even when they have nothing to do with their company's bottom line, Mm -hmm. we think that one way to expand diversity of thought is to expand ideological diversity. Mm -hmm. And so that's the proposal we put forward to Starbucks. And look, I've been dealing with the Starbucks CEO for years. First, it was Howard Schultz. Now it's Kevin Johnson. Howard Schultz is, of course, trying to embark on a new career, (laughs) which is an interesting topic in and of itself, um, as he's potentially going to run for president of the United States as an independent candidate. I don't believe he's officially uh, filed or anything like that yet. Um, But Starbucks' board opposed this idea. They said no, they had no interest in expanding diversity of thought. And at their recommendation, uh, because they hold so much sway and they hold so much internal stock, the proposal lost at the shareholder meeting. So think about that. This is a corporate board that is so insular and believes so much in its liberal ethos that it banded together to oppose the idea of expanding thought on their board of directors. Just wild, wild stuff. Okay, so first of all, I want to admonish you for daring to traffic in all of that common sense. You probably made their heads hurt, and they're still reeling (laughs) from all of that. You know, you just were breaking down how the black people all look the same, so we all think the same. And I keep thinking about, it's it's even more... um, it's like even more pointy and stickly and, and painful for them when you're coming from Free Enterprise Institute, which is a part of National Center. And National Center has Project 21, which is one of the oldest you know, groups on the right that showcases black voices and you know, conservative thought. It, it's got to be a problem for them when they try to look you up and find where you're not, you know, you're not diverse enough. You're not this or that. And that's where you're coming from. But it's also got to be very <laughs> painful just for them to the way you're picking apart their argument that they need to interview a woman every time because the women that they're interviewing are invariably out in California for, where they have this law, those women are invariably going to be the majority of them leftists. And if, an, and if a conservative woman makes it through that process, she's going to be eliminated because she doesn't have the right biases. She doesn't have the right viewpoint. It's, and so she essentially – a conservative woman becomes not a woman. She has her womanhood stripped from her and the opportunity to take advantage of this new rule because she's not of the right political bent. 
It's the same with blacks. I'm routinely told I can't be black because I'm on the right. And this is while they're looking at me and I'm just sitting here. I can't help that I, you know, I'm black. It wasn't a choice for me. I'm happy about it. I'm glad to be here, glad of what God made me. But it's not like you get to decide what race or gender you're going to be if you if you can think straight. You know, you, you don't get to decide that. So um, I think the point that you're making to them, if we just had more people who could think, this would be on CNN and be on MSNBC. Everybody would be covering it because you've so well dismantled everything that they're trying to foist off on the rest of us along with the coffee. They're, 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 it just doesn't hold any kind of, you can't be thinking straight and follow along with what they're saying and believe it. You just can't. Well, and, and think about it, too, because what I also presented them was beyond common sense. It was good business. Because, look, um, you may have to go to Starbucks because your daughter likes it. Guess what? I go to Dunkin' Donuts. I have no interest in ever stepping foot in Starbucks. And <laughs> many people that, you know, see that, are, that are Christian and conservative and feel like Starbucks has slighted them over the years um, in, in their march to the left and taking so many liberal policy positions on immigration, gay marriage, uh, climate change, and everything else, guess what? Even if Starbucks wants to claim they're not liberal, which they're barely attempting to claim that, you know, they, they claim they're not partisan, they claim they're not liberal, we all know it's untrue. Perception is reality in business. I gave them a tool that they could actually extend an olive branch out to conservatives and say, hey, look, we're going to try and diversify our board and diversify it a little bit ideologically. So, like, you know, if you if you gave up on us because of this liberal controversy or that liberal controversy, give us a try again. We're going to try to, you know, become a company that's welcoming to all sides of the political aisle, not just the left. And so, again, this makes sense from an investment perspective and a long-term investment perspective, and they rejected that, too. So not only did they reject common sense, they rejected a good business opportunity, and that's what's sad for the investment community. So I just let's let's just make this because I, I there's sometimes when, you know, as you were saying, because I, I tend to I actually don't go to Starbucks at all unless my daughter's in town. Now that she's in college, I've kind of gotten to where it's like a, almost like she comes home. We boomerang in there. She leaves. I'm not there anymore. But when I am there, I've noticed some changes that they've made. Like they had at one point right before I stopped going, they had kind of gotten a little bit of an attitude like the baristas would have an attitude with you when they were working with you. And they got to have a bad reputation. And when they found out at corporate that that was hurting their bottom line and people weren't coming in because they felt like the baristas were rude, they did some training and they fixed that because they want people to come in and buy what they have. Why doesn't that same kind of responsiveness translate into what you're discussing? Like, it seems like they would say, this makes us look bad. That hurts our bottom line we should at least consider what this free enterprise institute is bringing up about not having any, you know, dissenting voices in here. Like what, what, why can't we at least allow a couple? Well, right. Because if you start at the top, it would disrupt their whole liberal apple cart that they've been um, putting together over the years. Right. And so that's, that's what scares them. Having some training on their frontline personnel is one thing, but if they actually let a conservative in the room, that, you know, get, get the, the camel's nose in the tent, like that, that opens up a whole realm of possibilities that they don't want to imagine. And, you know, they've been happy to eschew conservatives for decades, and that's all they know, right? 
they don't know anything else. They don't know anything different in their world, right? You know, Trump derangement syndrome is real on the left. In the eyes of those who only watch MSNBC, conservatives are this evil, bigoted, terrible group of people, right? And so why would they ever want to let someone like that in the room? And that's just the problem. These companies like Starbucks, Apple, Facebook, Twitter, Salesforce, Amazon, they've, they've become so liberal, so insulated in their liberal bubble that that's what they think a conservative is. And so if you think conservatives are, you know, marching towards Nazism, which, you know, if you turn on MSNBC after about 10 minutes, that's what you would think then you wouldn't let them in, right? <laughs> because they're these terrible, evil people who want to do evil things. And so that's, that's just the problem. And that's actually why these companies specifically need to adopt our resolution all the more. Um, <laughs> it is. The, the longer you stay in your liberal echo chamber, the easier it is. But we're not. Like when you were talking just now, I just wanted to yell at the top of my lungs, but we're not. We're Not only are we not... Nazis. We're also not unnice or, you know, we, we are not. So when I think about all the people that I know that are liberals, that I, I really enjoyed spending time with them. We don't spend time together anymore because of what I do. Um, but there's there, I remember us having a good time together. And I know when I get together with my friends that we have now, we've had them for years, ever since I started doing this, it was like this neat little transition that occurred that I can only say was providential because I couldn't have organized it better myself. When I spend time with them, we just really enjoy spending time together. And we don't always like, it's not like we sit around talking politics all the time. We have kids, we go on vacations, we have, you know, home improvement projects, we have things breaking at our house, we have, you know, the, the garbage new dishwashers that everybody has. So we reminisce about the good old days when a dishwasher lasted 30 years, all that stuff. We have fun. You know, we sit at games and watch our kids play. We watch our kids, sometimes our kids lose and we have to sit there and kind of, you know, grin and bear through that. Um, we're just regular people. And a lot of them are just regular people too. And I know, but the thing that really seems to bother them is that, first of all, they can't stand to lose. Second of all, they can't stand the fact that we won't just give in to their ideas, whether it's on the social issues or like you're pointing out in the business realm, if your company exists to make money, then you want to sell your product to everyone. So you should have mechanisms by which you can make sure that you're catering to the largest mass of people that you can. But uh, making money is not as important as their ideology. That's what I get out of what you're telling me. That's right. Um, there is this new mantra that, I mean, I, I feel like it started in corporate America maybe about 15 years ago or so. And you do good by being good. And being good is defined by the left. And it's come to be defined as the entire cause of, liberalism and the LGBT uh, push on the cultural issues. And that is what, I mean, the whole presentation at the shareholder meeting, again, this was a shareholder meeting, was about left-wing ideology. And that was their being good, all of these different examples of being good. And then there was about two minutes of these are our financials from the year. That's what I see I mean, Stacey, you know I go to dozens of shareholder meetings every year. Mm -hmm. That's what I see at almost all of them now. And again, that's not necessarily a bad concept to do good by being good. That's not in and of itself a bad concept. 
But again, it's defined by liberalism. Being mm. good, the good is defined by advancing left-wing causes. And so that's where the rub comes down. It's not just being you know, a good corporate citizen in the neighborhood, which left, right, green, libertarian would all support, right? Mm. You know, doing doing fundraisers if you're you know, a hugely successful company, um, you know, can't funding cancer research, um, funding Little League teams, like things like that in your community, we would all see as a good. But it's the liberals in these companies that define what is good. And that's that's where we started to lose corporate America um, to, the, to the left. And that's, frankly, how, again, we, they spent a good hour and 40 minutes talking about what good was and what good Starbucks was doing. And then about two minutes on actual business. And yeah. again, oh, I gave them common sense and I gave them a good business idea and they couldn't have been less interested. So here's the thing, <laughs> you know, Justin, because they're, they're there have been issues that I'm hard on where, you know, like Target, we don't shop there. And I had real, like my daughters put on presentations about the savings, the dresses, the the overall outlook that maybe we were making a mistake not shopping at Target anymore. And I told them that I appreciated their hard work and effort in trying to convince me, but we had to stay out because of the safety issues surrounding them, like integrating the bathroom so anybody can go to any bathroom and the number of assaults they have in their stores, which I catalog at StaceyOnTheRight.com. And so there, there have been places that have been like that. But with, with Starbucks and what you're highlighting, it just, it kind of reiterates to me that e- even when families like ours, who we are ideologically opposed to them, but we go because one of our family members enjoys their product, they don't appreciate our business. They don't appreciate it. They don't care about it. They'd rather lose us so they could maintain their, uh, you know, facade of being good as opposed to welcoming us and being happy we're there because we spend money there because money apparently it just isn't the end all be all for a company i'm just glad you keep doing what you're doing that you keep bringing the common sense to them and maybe it'll seep in at some point but don't stop justin thank you for uh for traveling into these these their their dens of iniquity and speaking the truth i appreciate it Stacey. it's always nice to catch up with you all right. Talk to you again soon, Justin. Um, that's Justin Danhoff, the Free Enterprise Institute, nationalcenter.org. You can find out more there. And we will be back with more. If you want to call in, it's 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Be right back. Two thousand eighteen was the busiest year ever for eight days of hope. Steve Tiber. Over six thousand volunteers descended to Southeast Houston over a three week period during eight days of hope fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen, and helped over a thousand families rebuild their homes all in the name of Jesus. Also, Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina. We had volunteers, leaders, and equipment in New Bern, Fayetteville, and Wilmington. And then, of course, Hurricane Michael striking the panhandle of Florida. We were in Panama City Beach for five weeks, loving and serving families who had nowhere to turn. 2019 could even be busier as we plan to go back to some of these same communities to be a glimpse of who Jesus is by using the gifts he's given us to bless those who are looking for a glimmer of hope. Go to 8daysofhope.com, submit your email address, and we'll notify you of our plans in 2019. American Family Association is pleased to partner with 8 Days of Hope, and you can too. 
Learn more at 8daysofhope.com. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Abraham Hamilton III. God put us in this world at this time to be salt and light. We don't fold because of the darkness that we're facing. This is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark. God has called you and I to be his ambassadors, even in this dark moment. Tune in to the Hamilton Quarter, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on Urban Family Talk. Uh, Holy Spirit speaks to everybody. The problem is most folks don't listen. Lonnie Poindexter. If they do listen, they don't take it to heart or they get fearful or whatever. But when you listen and act upon it, wonderful things happen. And because a man of God heard the voice of God and acted upon it, it blesses me today and you as well for listening in. Lion Chasers, weekday mornings at 10 Central on Urban Family Talk. It's Fox Wheel. The Ford Explorer teams up with Michelin to become the first SUV in North America equipped with self-sealing tires. This tire will keep you going on the road without any tire pressure loss. Ford's Lee Newcomb says there's a rubber sealant basically baked into the tire. The nail goes through the tread. This sealant then seals around the puncture. This nail pops out, the sealant is pushed into the hole. 90% of tire punctures are from running over sharp objects. As the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration seeks public comment on GM's 15-month-old petition seeking approval to deploy vehicles in the U.S. without steering wheels or other human controls. One of the company's first self-driving test vehicles, a modified pre-production Chevy Bolt Electric, is going on display at the Henry Ford Museum of American Innovation in suburban Detroit, sitting next to a 1959 Cadillac Eldorado at the Driving America exhibit, which chronicles the history of the automobile. Jeff Manasso, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. He's going to win Ohio and he's going to win re-election. Um, the president's coming back to Ohio. He knows how important Ohio is. But the theme of today is economic security is national security. He's visiting the Lima Tank plant that, quite frankly, President Obama tried to shutter. Um, President Trump's agenda is about national security and investing in our military and our military readiness. But this also means thousands of jobs in Lima, Ohio. There will be, you know, uh, more jobs added. Um, his 2020 uh, budget is proposing $3.2 billion investment in this Lima tank plant. We have to make sure we take care of our military readiness, but this also means thousands of jobs in Ohio. Welcome back to the program. Um, I, I'm absolutely flabbergasted by the continuing of this Democrats attacking the norms. Um, but we know one thing for sure, and that is that that's not going to change. So we have to be really ready for any eventuality. Um, welcome back to the program. Call lines are open at 866-963-2037. And we also have um, some more audio for you. I want to pull up Kellyanne Conway. The Democrats have no idea how to beat this guy. It's number three. And, and the fact is, Maria, that I think there's a, there's a panic in, among Democrats and never Trumpers and other people. I think the calendar turned to 2019. 
and 2020 is around the corner, and they have no idea how to beat this guy. They're now beating back goofy policies that are not going to be accepted by mainstream America, like the Green New Deal, which a former um, budget director said could cost us $93 billion. They're, they're, trillion, trying, right. trillion, they're, they're trying to defend socialism. Hmm. They're out there. I mean, Kirsten Gillibrand is out there talking about let's give Social Security now to illegals when we don't know if there's enough money there for the seniors who paid into it and deserve it. Yeah. So none of these goofy policies would have been definitely would have been generated by President Hillary Clinton, just wouldn't have been done. Yeah. And so they're doing that as an overcorrection to the force majeure of the, the, the market force of Donald Trump, I should say. So it's interesting that it's Kellyanne Conway. And I know a lot of people are talking about this whole thing where her husband is attacking the president. And I, I don't know if you noticed, but I haven't, I haven't commented on it a ton. And I'll just, I'll, I'll say this. Um, so in the marriage relationship, you know, the wife submits to the husband, the husband loves the wife. They do not have a traditional uh, kind of arrangement there because they're, she has a job that is so much bigger than his. And so it doesn't mean that it's wrong that she has a job that's bigger than his, but it just means there's a different dynamic there. And it's fraught with opportunities for discord, which we see between the two of them. And so... You know, I would I would encourage people if you if you're of the praying mindset to pray for them. I see some of what he's doing in antagonizing her boss is a little bit of a backlash against her notoriety, if you will. Um, he's not comfortable with it, and and so it's it's a lot of different things. And who knows what goes on on in a marriage, right? You anyone who's married knows. Whatever you think you know about someone's marriage, you can't know even, you know, more than a teacup full of what's really going on because people are so complex and relationships are so complex and marriage is, you know, at, at the very tippy top of that. Um, I wish that for the sake of Kellyanne Conway, because she's married to a difficult man who does not seem to support her work aspirations, that the president wouldn't engage with her husband. So that means George Conway is going to continue to tweet nonsense, insane garbage about the president, but that he would rise above the fray and not engage. So I know I've said many times on the show that I don't really care about his, uh, you know, his, he gets into these slap fights with different people and, you know, he beats people up on Twitter and, and online social media. And he's, if you punch him, he, he doesn't just punch you back. He, punches you down to the ground, steamrolls over you with a piece of large, uh, you know, cat equipment, and then backs over you a few times, resurrects you with a little scoop on the front, and then punches you down again and repeats the entire exercise. That's who he is. But in this case, because it involves Kellyanne, and I see, unless something horrible happens or she decides not to from her own side, I see her being right there where she was running the polls and being very integrally involved in the 2020 campaign. I just wouldn't see her not doing that. Um, and I wouldn't see him not asking her to do that. And so I just wish he wouldn't engage him. That being said, you know, George Conway is appears to be an instigator. And so what do you do with an instigator? Well, if he was on social media, you could just block him. Right. But he's using his Twitter account to, joust with the president i just wish he wouldn't do it he he's gonna i don't think he's gonna stop but i'm uh, that's just my opinion that's just where where i see it um and i can't imagine what it's like between the two of them you know at home with the kids 
and this is going on, I just, it's, it's such, such a tough situation. Um, but she's still advocating on behalf of the White House and the president, and she still seems to be doing, like, an amazing job. And um, <laughs> people, people are wondering, I wonder what the dinners are like. You know what it's like when you're having a disagreement with your spouse? And in, in the godliest of marriages, it doesn't matter. You still are two people. You still have your own opinions and you disagree. And even if you have worked out conflict resolution styles and you've agreed on the way that you disagree, you still have that tension in the room when one person's serving the dinner and the other person's like eating the dinner and everyone's mad. <laughs> and the kids are kind of like in between forkfuls. They're looking back and forth between the two of you like, oh, no. Not this again. So <laughs> you got to wonder what's good. Or maybe they're just not eating together. You know, maybe they're just catching a bite here or there with the kids and not really engaging each other. Who knows? Um, but I would say best thing for us to do is just pray for them and hope that um, hope that overall, over all the things that they preserve their marriage and that maybe they get into a place where they really start communicating with each other and figure out what the underlying issue is. So um, now I know we had, so we had so many callers that we missed over this story and I want to get to it. Um, and it, and it just goes to show you how complex our foreign policy is total pivot here. Our foreign policy is very complex and as, as a nation, because we have friends, but depending on where a country is located and what their geopolitical positioning is, it can really dictate what we can and can't do with our partners. And Taiwan is a partner of our country. We we actually support their independence from China. Now, Taiwan has been seeking to acquire heavy-end American combat jets, right? They want either an advanced derivative of the F-15 Eagle heavy air superiority fighter or the unspecialized by stealth F-35 fifth generation light multi-role fighter. Those are the two that they'd love to have. Those are, those are the kind of our flagship um, you know, military weaponry that we can utilize for air to air, air to surface, all that good jazz. Now, Taipei has reportedly settled on acquisition of the F-16V, which is a less capable alternative. It's still good stuff, but not nearly as agile or, you know, ready and advanced as the other two options. And this came as a result of our reluctance as a nation to sell our uh, higher end combat jets Two, and they're a longstanding ally. There's no, there's no doubt about the, the relationship. But we have to be concerned about a number of factors relating to the security um, of their latest defense technologies, ours, in their hands. And what is that kind of surrounding? Any equipment sales that we make to Taiwan have to take into account the possibility that the equipment and technologies could fall into the hands of the Chinese People's Liberation Army. Because China does not acknowledge Taiwan's right to independence. So anything that they own, the Chinese could just come in and take it. They could overpower them and come in and take whatever we sell to them. And we don't sell our F-15s, F-16s, or F-35s to China. So there's also espionage from the mainland. Um, you know, considerable sympathies among much of the Taiwanese population. It's only 130 kilometers away. Um, and we don't want them to go ahead and like yield into that. Um, and it wouldn't be everyone in their government. It just takes a few contractors working for Taipei to share what they have access to 
if they were to get their hands on a fleet of these planes, so 18 to 21 of them, which they would want to buy so they'd have a squadron full, right? Or they want to buy two or three squadrons full, whatever they could afford. Another possibility would be that high-end combat jets could fall into the active inventory of the PLA should Taiwan simply give in to the pressure and reunify with the mainland. Now, it doesn't look like that's going to happen, but it remains a possibility, especially if you look ahead to the 2030s, which is that's the kind of planning our military and our government has to do when it pertains to our defense technologies. Now, any action like that would actually give the People's Liberation Army Air Force top line American next generation combat jets, which they could evaluate and reverse engineer. The information would then almost certainly be shared with Russia and North Korea because they are allies with China. We're allies with Russia, right? Until you consider that they're allies with China. We're allies with China until you consider the Russia-China relationship. So, you know, allies, sure, but there's a lot more to it than just saying, oh, they're our friend. It's not, it's not that simple at all. The other thing is when they reverse engineered it, they would be able to then undermine the jet's capabilities and eliminate the usefulness that we currently enjoy of these jets being so advanced. They'd be able to eliminate all of that. Now, it doesn't apply so much to an F-15 variant. Um, and, and there's a lot. There's, like there, there's a lot of minutiae here in details. But the, China's most advanced surface-to-air missile system is the S-400, retains a detection range of 600 kilometers against enemy aircraft, while the F-35 cannot be detected at such ranges due to its advanced radar evading profile. Um, so, you know, I'm going to post the link to this article. And if you're anything into planes and stuff like that, like when I, I was joking around in hour one when I was teasing this story about the, you know, talk, crew chief speak. You guys know I was a, a, you know, data analyst for the F-16 when I was on active duty. F-15 when I was on one side of the, the base. And when I moved to the other side of the base it was the F-16. And uh, the majority of the pilots that would I got to meet and work with they were test pilots because Eglin Air Force Base is a test base. They test missiles and weaponry. And so, you know, the weapons technology platform of the F-15 and F-16 back when I was on active duty, that was, you know, cutting edge technology. And I remember going into the flight line, going into the hangar and talking to the crew chiefs about breaks that they were experiencing. If a break happened, it was recurring. If it happened over and over again, they would kind of sick one of us little analysts on it to kind of figure out you have to basically examine all of the maintenance records to see what are they doing differently every time they fix this break? Are they doing something differently? What are they using to fix this break? I mean, every component of repairing a break, we'd have to examine it and then look inside of our database and see how many times it had happened and, our, and put it into charts and graphs to see how many times has it happened over this many months, this many years, this many flights. And we would just pour over that stuff and then you know, after you look at the data for long enough, things start to stick out at you. And then you go to the flight line, you go to the crew chiefs and you say, I noticed that every time this break happens and it's this, it's repaired and it doesn't happen again. But when it happens over here like this, you know, it doesn't seem to get repaired. And these three planes have been out consistently where these, you know, uh, 18 have not. What can you tell me about that? And you'd be surprised at how crew chiefs know their aircraft and a crew chief would work on one particular aircraft and he'd have one pilot or two pilots, the two pilots that fly the jet that are his pilots and he works with them. And 
specifically, they get to know each other. They get to know the aircraft they're working on and they know what its proclivities are. And so it's just fascinating to think about um, how our military and our government, we will sell our platforms to foreign countries, but we have to decide. Basically, it's like giving them the kind of old and busted platform that still works, but it's not that great. Um, because we know their allies just want them to get their hands on the new stuff so they can reverse engineer it and fix up their stuff to beat our stuff. So it's like war games extraordinaire, only this is real. It's real life. So um, fantastic piece. It's over at Military Watch Magazine, and it has some really cool pictures. It has a map that shows you the area where uh, the engagement range of Chinese S-400 batteries over Taiwan um, lots of military lingo, lots of, so if you like that kind of stuff, it's really something to kind of, if you read this article, it will detach your brain from all the political stuff and you could just get down and dirty with the military equipment and specifically our fighter jets, which are just fantastic. Just it, sometimes I marvel at the creativity and the engineering prowess of the minds that thought up, you know, in, instead of just a regular passenger plane, let's make a jet, let's make it faster than the speed of sound. And let's make it so people who have the fastest twitchy reflexes are the only ones who can fly it because you have to be able to move that fast and think that fast in order to control it at those speeds. And then let's strap bombs onto it and let's, you know, let's let's fire stuff off of it. Let's put fuel in the wings. Let's hang fuel in containers off the body of the plane that you can drop in a moment's notice. And that drop will enable you to get home on the 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 fuel that's stored in the wings, you know. Let's make its range halfway around the world in 17 minutes. That's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's just kind of cool. Um, America, heck yeah. That's what I think about when I say that. Okay, happy Friday. Have a fantastic weekend. Make sure and unplug for a bit. Get in the pew on Saturday and Sunday. And I'll be back with you on Monday with more Stacy on the right. God bless and good evening from the heartland. <laughs>